Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Hello and good morning, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen here with the Bible Explained podcast. And once again, I want to apologize for the screw up the other day where this episode was supposed to air on Monday, but I messed up and somehow ended up recording Deuteronomy 24 verses 17 through 22 instead of Deuteronomy 23 verses 17 through 25, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So let's go ahead and discuss Deuteronomy chapter 23 together. And I'm actually going to be reading uh, the NLT version of the Bible this morning instead of the WEB version, just because I like the way the NLT words this a little bit better. So anyway, grab your Bible in whatever version that you prefer to read out of today. And also grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. And let's go ahead and start reading Deuteronomy 23, 17 to the end of the chapter. No Israelite, whether man or woman, may become a temple prostitute. When you are bringing an offering to fulfill a vow, you must not bring to the house of the Lord your God any offering from the earnings of a prostitute, whether a man or a woman, for both are detestable to the Lord your God. Do not charge interest on the loans you make to a fellow Israelite, whether you loan money or food or anything else. You may charge interest to foreigners, but you may not charge interest to Israelites, so that the Lord your God may bless you in everything that you do in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promised him. For the Lord your God demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows, or you will be guilty of sin. However, it is not a sin to refrain from making a vow, but once you have voluntarily made a vow, be careful to fulfill your promise to the Lord your God. When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes, but you must not carry any away in a basket. And when you enter your neighbor's field of grain, you may pluck the heads of grain with your hand, but you must not harvest it with a sickle. I don't know if you guys know this, but the NLT version is actually my favorite version of the Bible. It was the version that really made me start becoming interested in the Bible um, years ago because I grew up with the King James Version and always had read the Bible in the King James Version. When I discovered the NLT Version, it really changed the way I read the Bible completely. And so now I just kind of have a special a special relationship, I guess, with the NLT Version. But anyway, it says here in verse 17 that no Israelite, whether a man or a woman, may become a temple prostitute. And this is actually the the reason I chose to read out of the NLT version was because the WEB version, for whatever reason, didn't say the words temple prostitute. It just said prostitute. And I wanted to uh, use the word temple prostitute because honestly, that is what this portion of scripture is talking about specifically. Now, of course, there are other rules regarding like everyday prostitution in scripture also, but this verse is talking about temple prostitutes. And this would be very, very important because temple prostitutes in this day and age, when this was written, were very, very common. It was actually considered to be like an act of service to God, I think, to go and have like a temple prostitute and you could get either a female or a male and then sleep with him or her. And then those earnings would all go to the temple. And so it was like considered an act of service to like have a temple prostitute. And so God is laying it out pretty clearly 
that temple prostitution is a big no-no. And he doesn't want any temple prostitutes coming and living inside the temple or being near the temple. He doesn't want any temple prostitution whatsoever. So God was nixing this idea that temple prostitution was holy right from the beginning. And so he says, no Israelite, whether a man or a woman, may become a temple prostitute. Now we know later on in Israel's history that they totally 100% ignore this rule and temple prostitutes actually become quite common. And people could go and get their temple prostitute and pay them inside of God's temple. I was actually uh, reading Second Kings recently and I, I got to the story of King Josiah, who was a very good king. And uh, he kind of erased a lot of the evils that the kings before him had done. And one of those evils was the temple prostitution. And so King Josiah, when he became king, he found a copy of the law because that is how how bad Israel society had gotten at that point. Nobody knew the law. They had the law, but nobody knew it. Nobody read it. And so one of the priests happened to find a copy of the law. The priest came and read it to King Josiah and Josiah listened to it and was horrified and shocked that Israel was basically ignoring every single law that God had given the people. And so King Josiah tore his kingly clothes out of complete and total horror of what had happened. He right after that started erasing all of these things that God had said never to do. Now, unfortunately, it was too late at this point. God's anger was so kindled after hundreds and hundreds of years of dealing with the people, completely ignoring him. And as soon as King Josiah died and one of his sons took over, it just got bad all over again. And so that was when God ended up destroying Israel through Babylon. And that's kind of the the story of Israel. But they got so bad that nobody was even reading the law anymore and temple prostitution because it was so commonplace and it it was so common among other uh, religions, I guess, at that point in time that Israel started to do the same thing. They would copy the cultures around them, even though God specifically said never to copy the worldly cultures. Israel did that and brought temple prostitutes into God's temple. And of course, this made God very angry. But not only were temple prostitutes not even supposed to be in the temple, God says that when you are bringing an offering to fulfill a vow, you must not bring to the house of the Lord your God any offering from the earnings of a prostitute, whether a man or a woman. And it's really interesting because if you go back to the Hebrew word for a man here, it's actually the word dog. Yeah, so God is calling male prostitutes dogs here. So basically the word is from the earnings of a prostitute, whether a dog or a woman, for both are detestable to the Lord your God. There's actually a footnote that actually says dog for the word man. So not only was temple prostitution just so wrong in God's eyes, God also didn't want people fulfilling their vows or bringing offerings to God from the earnings of prostitution. 
Now, this would make a lot of sense because remember what I said before about temple prostitutes. It was almost considered like an act of service to God, I suppose, to go and get your prostitute and then pay the prostitute. And then that would all go to the temple. God is removing that idea completely that it's like a good thing to do to go sleep with a prostitute and then bring the money to the temple because God says, don't bring any offerings from the earnings of a prostitute, whether a man or a woman. I learned actually from the Enduring Word commentary that the Catholic Church did this for a while. Back in the 1600s, the Catholic Church had brothels and some of the earnings from the brothels would go to the Catholic Church. So not only did the Israelites completely ignore this rule, but even Christians and Catholics throughout history have ignored this rule. Though you can see in scripture that many times God is very kind to prostitutes. God is very gentle to people and forgiving and loving. God never ever winks at sin and that includes prostitution. That's why when Jesus encountered that adulterous woman that we talked about just a short while ago, he said to her, go and sin no more because adultery and, and sexual sins are sins. And Jesus tells us not to sin anymore. But the fact of the matter is God's temple is considered to be very holy. And because God's temple is holiness, we need to treat it as such. We need to treat it with holiness, right? And so that means not uh, defaming God's temple by doing things that are wrong, carrying God's name with honor. That is uh, one of the Ten Commandments. And you guys all know that our bodies now, if we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are considered to be temples of God. We are God's temple. And so since the temple is supposed to be holy, we ourselves are supposed to be holy and we're supposed to refrain from any kind of sexual sin that causes us to sin against God's temple. So that's a way that this can be taken into nowadays. But in verses 19 through 20, it says, do not charge interest on the loans you make to a fellow Israelite, whether you loan money or food or anything else. You may charge interest to foreigners, but you may not charge interest to Israelites. Now, the reason God says that an Israelite could charge interest to somebody who is a foreigner is because there was a lot of foreign trade that went on, of course, during this time, and a lot of foreign businesses and foreign merchants. And it was totally okay for Israel to conduct business normally and charge interest in business situations. But when it came to somebody loaning somebody else money because they were desperately in need or because they were so hungry they needed food because it mentions food here or anything else, they were not supposed to charge interest to those things. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that an Israelite just gives something away, like a complete and total handout. Of course, that Israelite would have to pay them back at some point, but they could not charge interest on that food or that money. And this was God taking care of the poor once again, because the poor people, if they couldn't afford food, certainly they couldn't afford to pay interest on that food. Now, they might be able to, you know, pay that that money back or that food back later on, but charging interest on that is just cruelty and it's unfair to people who are struggling. So this is a way God is making sure that the Israelites are taking care of each other. So now in verse 21 through 23, when you make a vow to the Lord your God, be prompt in fulfilling whatever you promise to him. 
The Lord demands that you promptly fulfill all your vows or you will be guilty of sin. And then it says, however, it is a sin not to or it is not a sin to refrain from making a vow. But once you have voluntarily made a vow, be careful to fulfill your promise to the Lord your God. So this is pretty self-explanatory. Obviously, vows are very important to God. And when you make a vow, you better keep it is basically what this is saying. This is why Jesus tells us (laughs) in the New Testament not to make any vows, because by the time Jesus was around, vow making was so commonplace, like so commonplace. They would make vows over like every little thing. And Jesus was changing that mindset. And he was like, stop making vows because you're not keeping them and you are sinning. So just stop making vows. And it's kind of funny because um, remember what I, was, I told you I was reading through Second Kings. Well, I, I noticed that the kings often would make interesting vows that they also couldn't keep. For example, King David made a lot of weird vows. He'd be like, May the lightning strike me dead if I do not fulfill this one thing and do the, do this, where whatever. And like, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> you know, he, he wouldn't fulfill his vow that he had just made. Making vows was, was a common thing to do because a vow is a promise, right? I mean, there's nobody on this earth that likes when somebody breaks a promise to us. So why would God like it, you know? I, I get infuriated when people break promises to me personally. I can't stand it. And so, I mean, if if I don't like it, obviously God doesn't like it either. So we need to be very careful when making a promise to God. Now, it does say that there's nothing wrong with not making a promise to God. That's not a sin. And that's why Jesus tells us just don't make any promises to God. Don't make any promises to God. Because if you do make a promise and you can't keep it, which is the majority of the time, then you're sinning. And so it's just better to not sin at all than to make a promise and not be able to keep it and then sin. So now to conclude verses 24 and 25, when you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat your fill of grapes, but you must not carry away any in a basket. And when you enter your neighbor's field of grain, you may pluck the heads of grain with your hand but you must not harvest it with a sickle. Now, this is a rule for people who are traveling through an area. Similarly to Jesus and his disciples, when they were traveling through Israel, there is actually a story about the the disciples plucking some heads of grain out of a field to eat it because they were quite hungry. There was nothing wrong with doing that. That wasn't considered stealing. That was considered almost like the, the farmer sharing his abundance with somebody who needed it in that moment. But God puts limitations on this because people always want to take more than what they're given, right? So God says you cannot carry a basket with you. Like you can't just like, you know, take your basket into your neighbor's field and like load it full of grapes. Like that's stealing. However, if you're hungry and you're traveling through, You're allowed to go into your neighbor's field and eat and pluck some grapes. That's okay. And same with the heads of grain. But you can't take your sickle into your neighbor's field and just start like chopping away at the grain and taking it with you. That's that's considered stealing. So God puts limitations not just on the rich, but also on the poor. Because even though the people are poor or even though people are traveling through and they might not have enough food to get them through that day and. God puts limitations on that because taking too much is stealing because that doesn't belong to them in the in the long run that God didn't give them that field. That field belongs 
to somebody else. So this is why, you know, God is very, very fair. Even though we can see that there's a ton of protections for the poor people in Israel, that doesn't mean that the poor people were allowed to take whatever they wanted just because they were poor. You know, God is extremely fair. He's fair to the rich and he's also fair to the poor. There's a Bible verse that says that God is not a respecter of persons. That might be the King James version of that, (laughs) that verse. But that just means that God does not respect one person more than another person. God is just fair to every single person on earth. And uh, he doesn't love one person more than another person. He doesn't favor one person over another. God cares about everybody and he treats everyone with respect. And of course, he expects us to also treat everybody else with respect and with care as well. Well, friends and faithful listeners, thanks for tuning into today's episode. I hope that you potentially learned something or at least thought about today's portion of scripture and maybe can apply it to your own life in some way. And if you do, contact me. I'd love to hear about how you applied today's portion of scripture to your own life this week. But also, guys, go over to the website, p40ministries.com, and subscribe to the email list, because when you do, you're going to receive two free chapters of my book, Out of the Mire, and you're also going to receive every single time a blog post comes out, which is, I think, every week and a half. My mom, my sister, and I all share the blog together, and so we we write the blog posts, and you'll know who is writing it because there will be a little picture and the description on each blog post of who wrote it. So if you want more P40 Ministries content, go into the bio of this podcast episode and you're going to find all the links, including the website link as well. Faithful listeners, tune in tomorrow morning for part two of the story of the blind man in John. And that's going to be a really great episode. So I will see you then. Happy listening and God bless. Mm -hmm.